where I thought the 52 Weeks of Why adventure was going to be interesting when I first started, um, I had no idea that coronavirus and COVID-19 would have such an impact not only on our day-to-day -day lives, um, but also on the, the way that the interviews have gone as I've progressed through the weeks and interviews of people learning about their why um, and the angle that so many people have approached me about and said, <clears throat> you know, going through these challenging times, um, it was really powerful to hear this message or that message. And it became less necessarily about the why and a little bit more about that message of hope or relatability or connection um, because of the scenario that we find all of ourselves in. Um, my guest today, man, just somebody that I met and, and we just hit it off, right? We just had this, if you've ever met somebody in the moment you meet them, you're like, this is my people, right? And we hung out immediately and our wives got along immediately and, and we just had a connection and it's been a very short period of time, about a year now that we've yeah. known each other, but we've done such a good job of just keeping in touch and random text messages and voicemails and emails and just saying, hey, and checking in. Um, and and I haven't interviewed yet anybody from from anywhere in the Boston area. And so I had to have like my token Boston buddy here uh, on the call as well. You, we'll you get said it wrong. Just a you, minute now. You said it wrong. You got to say Boston. Boston. All right. I'll say Boston the rest of the time. How about that? <laughs> Before we roll, um, have a quick quote that uh, is another Jim Rohn quote. If you've watched these, you know I've got quite a few of these. He is a, a wealth of quotes. His was, don't see how many decisions you can get out of. See how many you can get into. That's where the adventure lies. Don't ask for security. Ask for adventure. There's so many people that I've talked to in this particular realm of my life about uh, difficult decisions that they've had to make. And in retrospect, looking back at those people and those tough decisions, that's where their why was formulated in those times of challenge and adventure and difficult decision sprung out this, this establishment of who they are and what they stand for and what their why is. Uh, so my guest today is Mike Dunsky. Uh, Mike is a, a good friend, also a fellow employee of Fairway Independent Mortgage. Um, Mike, as we just learned, is a native of Baston and has lived there his whole life now. Um, what were you, Mike, what were you going to say? I hear, I hear it coming out of you. What's up? No, you're, you're doing good because you're one of the wicked smart kids. <laughs> um, just like me, long-term relationship, married for a decade. Um, has kind of a Brady Bunch family, right? Two and two, all of which are adults. So where I'm at the uh, the early end of the spectrum on raising kids, he's at the other end of the spectrum where they're all adults. And now it's him and his wife getting to go do things, well, sort of do things in today's world and have fun. Um, been in the mortgage business for a long time, since the late 80s. Uh, been with the company I work for, Fairway, for just over a year and a half. Um, and wife came out of the mortgage business as well and is an entrepreneur. Uh, you can tell it when you meet her that she has this entrepreneurial spirit. Um, definitely a success in that realm. Mike, first, thank you for being here. I appreciate your time. 
No, thank you. Thanks for having me. So when you um, began thinking about, because we, we've tried to connect here to discuss our why a few different times and our schedules just didn't line up. Uh, did you find that maybe between the first time we set our appointment and when we actually connected today that that your thoughts about your why had changed or were you like, I knew exactly what it was then and, I, and here it is now and I'm going to say the same thing or was there a little bit of reflection on it in the meantime? Oh God. When you first asked me to do it, honestly, I was petrified. I, I didn't know my, I didn't know my why. I knew, I know what's important to me. And over the years, as you grow and mature, you find different things that are more important. So years ago, probably 15 years or so, I, I created a bucket list. And I found it about three months ago. And Joanne and I were looking it over again. And man, I would scratch off probably 80% of what was on that bucket list because what I was, what I loved and what I wanted out of life back then was way different than what I love and wanted out of life right now and what was important to me. But in the same token, I kind of, I feel like maybe I, I got a little bit more grounded, you know, kids raising the kids and, and, and going through life with a, you know, with your life partner and just your family, everything changes and as your perspective changes too, as you go through certain experiences. And as you mentioned before, no sailor had to learn, no sailor knows how to sail in calm seas, right? They need a storm and people's true colors come out. You learn a lot about yourselves, other people, good, bad, or ugly. Um, and over the past month or so, we've, we've been introduced to quite a storm, which has changed my perspective even more. Um, so did I come into this knowing my why? No, and I'm, but I have a feeling I know what it is. I just haven't really articulated it. Yeah, I think that's important for people who have watched all the episodes leading up to this and a couple that I have coming up that we've had some of these individuals who are so powerful and their why has been their why either um, since they were very young and they set the bar very high in that regard, or they've been able to articulate that they've had a dozen whys and they can talk about all 12 of those whys in, in such a clear and concise way. And um, they're amazing people, but also sometimes a little hard to relate to in that regard for people who may um, struggle with, with the why and trying to figure out what it is. But before we get into that, I want to ask you, you when when we talk about the why you you brought up the bucket list, um, I, I understand that that's, it's new and recent in your mind because you just found it. How long ago did you make it? About 15 years ago. Yeah, cool. So it really is a point of um, of introspection where you're looking back at who you were when you wrote that list. Um, and it, it, you've been married to Joe for 10 years, so it was before you got married. Um, and, and yeah, so there's, there, when you looked back at that bucket list, um, was there a point where since it's recently, and since you and I've been discussing about this, was there a point where you're like, you know, that might be my why, or was the bucket list just getting the wheels turning to, to establish what you think your why is? I think it was an exercise. So I've been going through coaching and we did a lot of exercises, you know, about what's, what drives you, you know, what's really meaningful to you. And this is one of the things I just decided to do one day. And when I wrote it out initially, I put a hundred, I put a hundred bullet points on there and I filled up about 75 of them. And I left 25 open intentionally because 
I knew that as I got older, there were things that I wanted to add to this that I didn't know what they were yet. So I intentionally left a block open that I was going to fill in someday. And when I look back at that, when I found it, I mean, I had to, I was laughing because I had some things on there that mean absolutely nothing to me right now. Some were completely materialistic. Some were just, I wanted to because I wanted to with nothing behind it. Um, but man, that's changed from, you know, driving a Ferrari someday to walking my daughter down the aisle. I mean, it's, it changes, you know, it, it, every, everything changes, perspective changes. Not that the ladder wasn't on there first, but you get my point. It's, it's a different perspective on what's important to me and what I want to get out of life. This is, this is the boat of life swinging through different waters and, and the winds of life blowing you on different shores. I think it, this is just inevitable, right? It happens, priorities change, um, and it doesn't have to be just when you get older. It could be uh, 30 days. I mean, even like you said, even in the last 30 days, we've seen changes that may have people reflecting a little bit more about what's important to them. Um, so without further ado, let's, let's get into it. I'd love to hear it. Tell us your why. Uh, you know what I care about? Um, my beautiful wife, all four of our kids, I care about their, obviously now this health, safety, and security is, is on my mind. So you, you can't help but have that on your mind. Um, I've always been, you know, this is interesting too, since we've had to be kind of sheltered in physically from socializing, um, a lot's come to mind regarding my philanthropic activities. I've, I've been involved with the Make-A-Wish Foundation since 1996, um, been an active supporter of a group called Respond, which uh, it's a group out of Boston. They help uh, victims of domestic violence. Um, worked in charitable efforts with my, my synagogue, and that's been super important to me. I made the Make-A-Wish piece and the Respond piece part of my business practice to give back to them. When all this came down, I'm thinking, how are they going to survive right now with, you know, the economic turmoil going on? Who's going to be helping them and, and still wanting to do my part? But so me being, you know, recognizing that I'm thinking about them leads me to believe, okay, the, the philanthropic piece of me, that, that's important to me. That's part of my why. I want to take care of my kids and my family. I want to give my kids a better life than I had. Um, you know, I want to be able to take care of my wife the way that she needs to be taken care of just with, you know, with emotional support and I want to be able to take care of my family and I want to be able to take care of these other, other parts of my life that are important too, like the Make-A-Wish and like the Respond and other groups that need support from outside. Um, so I think a lot of that giving back, my community has given me so much. They've given me a life that I can really achieve those things. Um, and I want to be able to give back to my community because of what they've, the opportunities they've given me. Man, your why really hits home with me. It's where this, this is why we got along from day one when we met, right? It's uh, I want to I want to make sure I'm 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 grasping it right, though. I want to repeat what I some words that I heard and make sure that I'm hearing it right. So, um, I heard family, um, I heard uh, giving back and philanthropy, and it, it sounded like you hinted at a little bit of um volunteerism more than philanthropy actual since you we haven't been able to leave our house and that that boots on the ground attitude i mean are, are you is it is it face showing right up there when they need it for volunteers or is it just 
a concern about the financials and making, you know, wanting to reach out and make sure that the the places where you're giving back are going to be okay, or maybe you need to do more yeah, or a little bit know, of both. Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of both. It's not just one thing, and you know, to each separate group, there's different different ways that you can help out more. And now more than ever, people need help. They need a they need a shoulder to cry on, and they can't do that right now. I mean, physically, they need a shoulder to cry on. Unfortunately, we had a two weeks ago, a neighbor's husband passed away and she couldn't grieve and mourn with her family and friends. It was very, very emotional and difficult. Um, we know about some of the people at, at Fairway and the, tri the, the trials that they're going through with loved ones either passing away or becoming ill. And the hardest part for them is, you know, the hardest part for us watching is not being able to help maybe in the way that we can or are typically used to helping. So I guess I'm feeling that about the, about the organizations that I support. How can I do a better job and how can I do more right now? That makes sense? Yeah, no, there's a term that comes to mind. I don't know if it's, if it's the right one or not, but it's kind of a bleeding heart, right? There are people that are known as having a bleeding heart, somebody that really just genuinely cares about other people, whether you know them or not, whether you they're, they're personal friends or interacting with you on a daily basis or not. If you see them going through hardship and hard times, um, you just wanna help, right? And I think, did I sum that up right? Yeah, you did. <laughs> Better than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you go back, um, if we go back to to when you were in high school or in college, I think you've already said this pretty clearly, but I just want to make sure that this this why was different back then, or do you think at its core the why was was there, but maybe just not executed in the same way that it is now? No, I, you know, I don't know what it was, but my experience has definitely changed what I do and who I am. I think it, all of, I mean, that's a generalized statement, but I went to high school. I had no idea what I was doing. I, I managed to graduate high school. Um, I went to college because that's what you did. You went to college and I found this little artsy, crunchy granola college in the middle of Ohio that had a great, like a co-op program. So I would go to school for six months and then I would go work six months. So very non-traditional, but after four years of doing that, I gained so much experience in various forms of business and, you know, the, um, uh, the travel industry, um, worked in accounting departments, worked in marketing departments. So I was not directed. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, I got an economics and business background in college. And then I got shoved into the real world and I still didn't know what I wanted to do. And how this all got started was because of a stereo. Um, believe it or not, a friend of mine was working for a mortgage company and I went out and bought a stereo on credit and I didn't have a job. And then the bill came and I had to pay it. She said, come work with us. You can be a processor. And that's how I got into mortgage banking because I had that stereo bill I had to pay. Um, I'm so, I was so lost back then. I had, I had no idea what I was going to do. I didn't have any direction. I didn't, I got experiences and I was torn between trying this and trying that. And this mortgage thing kind of fell on my lap. Sure. I'll go make a paycheck. Uh, I didn't even know there was a T in mortgage at the time. And I started processing loans, but through the experience I got when I was in college and working while I was in high school and college and moving on, I, I kind of dug it. I fell into it, but all those experiences shaped what was, you know, again, behind my why shape, what was important to me and gave me direction. And I realized that this job allows me to help people as an originator. And so maybe that's where it's all come out is, I get to help somebody on a day-to-day -day basis. I get to help this single mom who just got divorced, get her into a home for her and her kids. I get to help this 
this immigrant who just came over from a, from a foreign country, just starting up here with their green card or on a visa, I helped to get them, you know, help them fulfill the dream of owning a home. We get to help. And so maybe that's how part of me is giving back is it's kind of bled into being a loan officer. So I think you're right. I think there are a lot of jobs that are very thankless. Um, you, you show up, you do your work, you get your paycheck, you go home. There's not any happy ending at the end of the tunnel or at the end of the process or the day even. And we're very fortunate to, to be in a job that has every single person we interact with has this moment of joy and happiness at, at owning their new home, right? And it's a very, it's a very fulfilling career in that regard. And, and there's a lot of um, fulfillment in the help that you're giving to people, right? Because you are truly giving people things that, that will change their life. Was yeah. there a point in that um, trajectory where you were kind of going through and floundering and you got in the mortgage business and you were processing and then underwriting and a loan officer, was there a point where like the light went on and you're like, this is it, this changes everything? Was there a person? Was there, was there an interaction or? Yeah, uh, yeah, there was, there was a defining moment. Um, I was processing loans and I was able to underwrite loans only to deny them my fourth year into processing. And I was processing for this one loan officer and she closed 70, about 70 million that year. So she made about a half a million dollars and I was on my $29,500 a year salary. And she gave me my Christmas bonus. She gave me a check for $150. So I got that check and I marched into my manager's office and I said, Dude, we have to talk. I'm going on the road. I'm going to sell. I'm going to be an originator. No, no, no. I'm like, you can't. Processors make lousy originators. And I, I was too dumb to know I couldn't do it. So I just said, I'm going to do it anyways. Uh, and that was my defining moment. I was, listen, I wanted the paycheck too. I, I, I was grinding it out. I had an IBM Selectric typewriter on my desk. I was typing applications in triplicate, uh, using corrected tape and whiteout. And I, I knew there was more for me out there. And I, I liked the processing, but I love the idea of changing my day-to-day every day being a new day and nothing the same. I didn't have a house. I didn't have a, a, a spouse or significant other at the time. I didn't have kids. I had zero responsibilities except the rent check. Uh, I borrowed $1,000 from my mother to go buy a laptop. I paid her back in a couple of months, um, but I needed, I, I needed to try it. I needed to try it. And you know what? Again, too stupid to know that I couldn't do it. And it's been originating ever since. So that was my defining moment. I had something similar when I was, I think I was 20, and I was uh, pretty irresponsible in my late teens and, and just kind of gallivanted around the country, uh, literally, and I found myself in Austin, Texas, uh, couch surfing, as I will affectionately call it, just didn't, didn't really have a house, just staying on random friends' couches, having fun, right? And when you're 20, you can do things like that. And um, one day, I... I woke up and I realized that that everybody around me was was doing the best that they could with what life had to offer them, whatever it was, whether it was um, working at a gas station or it was working at a hospital or it was working at a car wash or working uh, at a dentist office. These were these people had trajectories of life and paths, and I could look around me and go, um, I I didn't have it. Right, I didn't have one. I had no idea what I was doing or where I was going. 
uh, and I knew, I was very fortunate this happened to me at 20, because there's so many people that d this doesn't happen to until they're in their 30s, right. where this light goes on, and you're like, this, I, this is it. I'm done. I've had enough fun. It's time to get serious. It's time to get, get my life into an order of, of operations that I, I have a path that I'm going down. Um, and of course, it came out of this, this complete chaos, didn't even have a home uh, lifestyle that I found myself in. But same thing, right? Just, just found that, that one thing that said, uh, no more, right? No more. I'm not going to settle for where I am. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go do it. And like you, I love how you said that because I didn't know any better. Right. We had no idea <laughs> that I could fail or was going to fail. I just, here it is. Right. Let's go. So tell me um, the why with your family and with your philanthropy, is there a, a part of a morning routine for you where these two things are, are in, right? Are they a part of your every morning? Are they a part of your every night? Kind of tell me how these things work into your day and give you the energy for the day. You know, we all have different seasons and our kids now, we, we have adult children now, so it's different now than it was, let's say, when they were your kids' age, when they were three and five and 12. And so obviously routines, everything changed. We're pretty much empty nesters right now. So I reserve my after work time for family. And that used to be with all the kids. And now, you know, it still is in a way we stay close as far as being connected and talking every day and, you know, texting and whatnot. So we stay super close there. Uh, but it's really my time for Joanne. Joanne and I, after, I'm, I'm glad we, I'm glad we had some time to, I guess, prepare for this stage when we became empty nesters, because you hear about the the parents, the kids go off to school and then they can't stand each other. We, I'm, we're very fortunate. We have a relationship that's pretty, pretty open in the sense that we can really tell each other what's going on, how we're feeling, what we want to do. And we love the same things. Um, you know, we don't like everything the same. We have problems just like everybody else, but I, I try my best. I'm not always successful, but I try my best to leave work at work. I don't even take my laptop home most nights. I'll bring it home on the weekends. Do we have to make calls and talk to people in the evening sometimes? Yes, but I really, I generally leave that time for family time. And as of late, we got into a much better routine just with being kind of stuck in the house or at the office, just not being able to socialize. Um, every night I come home from the office because I do still come in here. No one else is here, uh, but we'll take a walk or we'll take a drive for a couple hours and we won't be on our phones. We'll leave the phones off. We'll turn them over and just be non-responsive just to clear our minds and just reconnect after the day. Um, and I think it's more important now than ever before to really do that because you got, you got one family, you got to take care of your family and your loved ones. And so my why is just staying connected and helping them emotional support. I mean, this is, this is super challenging. Some days I, I wake up in the middle of the night, sometimes freaking out about what's going on right now with the world, because if you look at it as a whole, it's overwhelming. If you look at it as, okay, you can just take this piece by piece, take it through lunch, take it through dinner, take it to the next morning, then, you know, bite, bite it off in, in bits and pieces. You can, you can relate better. You can get through this better. So I need her for emotional support as much as she needs me for the emotional support. And it's just important now more so than ever to just be there for the loved ones. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy life right now, but it's helping me understand myself a little bit better and maybe allowing me to give a little bit more. What's cool about everything that you just said is this um, this aspect of of what's important to you and and dedicating time to it, and the importance of the time that you're giving it. I think 
when I was younger, I may have given verbally the things that I thought were important to me. Um, but when I looked at how much time I was actually giving to them, yeah. it, it, it may not have been a very, they may not have been in line with one another. Yeah. There wasn't a very good balance between the two. And to hear you say that this is your why, and this is what motivates you and what's important to you. And also that, that you're making sure that you're giving a commitment of time and, and not distracted time, not partial attention time, but, but actual full on committed time. Um, is important. That that was a lesson for me that that was hard to learn. Right, that I could say what was important to me till I was blue in the face, but if I'm not if I'm not doing it, if I'm not dedicating time to it, it doesn't mean anything. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, we've all been there. That balance thing is so important. And uh, you know, you you found your you found a groove once you once you figured it out. You figured out what you need to do. And I. I Listen, we, we all, we, we don't want to lose a deal. We're competitive by nature. We don't want to lose a deal. Um, but I can't be on the phone and giving my family my attention at the same time. It doesn't work that way. And am I always great at it? No, but I really do try and I have to set those boundaries. Um, and I set the boundaries. I break them every now and then. We're only human. But I think that in general, you know, we come at our business and our life with a feeling of, or a mentality of abundance as opposed to scarcity. And there's so much more that opens up as a result of that. It's almost like clearing the mind a little bit. When you're, when you're clear headed, you can think better, be more creative and you can do the same thing with work. You can do the same thing with the relationships you have. And, and, and that really helps you kind of be a little bit more humble inside knowing that I don't need this person. I don't need to chase this person tonight. I don't, I can, I can go ahead and I can forget about that until the morning. I can be clear. I can be more in depth in my relationships and, family with my parents and it, I, I think we could all use more of that now now so more than ever i suppose just getting grounded again yeah you're i'm, I'm going to go a little longer than i would normally because you hit on something that i i use this term a lot called ping-ponging where i just feel like all of us every day are just getting hit from one end of the table to the other and then on one end of the <laughs> table to the other and yeah. we're just like we almost feel like we're not in control. We're the we're the ball, right? We're just getting smacked from one end of the table to the other. And yeah. um, when you're in that mode, this is why I started studying Stoicism. This is why I started reading Seneca and Marcus Aurelius and, and these guys because they taught you to have this foundation and this core um, that that you will not shift from. That is who you are. That are the values that you represent. And that ping ponging, that hitting back and forth. Um, causes you to act in a way that isn't consistent with who you are. Yeah. If you have a belief that you're a certain way and you find yourself not acting that way, it's usually because of the situation that you're in, right? And if you can figure out every time I'm in this situation, man, I always mess it up. Then you know, hey, maybe you shouldn't put yourself in that situation anymore <laughs> and you might not mess it up anymore, right? And this yeah. is like, yeah. relationship, what you just said, relationship 101, right? When you're with your wife, be with your wife. If you find yourselves in a little bit of an argument with your wife repeatedly, maybe the situation is that, that this is in your hand and you may not be aware. All you're thinking of is the fight and the whatever it is, but that's the situational awareness is so important to when you're acting in a manner that's not consistent with who you are, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're able to ground yourself, as you said, and, and put yourself only in positions where you know you can act 
in a way that's consistent with who you want to be, life is so much better. Life is so much more in control. Even when there's all these uncontrollable things going on around us, and there are, just understanding that you can be in control of what little pieces you can control uh, are so important. And I've kind of, I've, I've done this question with so many people who've been on the podcast before, and it's kind of morbid, right? How do you know at the end of your days that your why has been fulfilled? And I think for you and I, one, one way that I would word this is you're never going to look back and wish you had spent more time on your phone. You're never going to look back and wish that yeah. you had spent more time at the office, yeah. right? You're always going to look back and, and assess how much time you gave to the things that are important to you. And if you can look back and say, I did the best I could with the time that I was given to give it to the people who are important to me or the endeavors that are important to me, um, it's a win. Man, you're, I, until we have talked today, I knew we had a connection, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel it until now because we're both, we're, we're truly focused on our family. We believe in supporting the community that has supported us and helped us to have the living that we have. And, and we do our best to, to help those who are around us, not just in, in our job, uh, helping people buy houses, but also immediate neighbors and friends and family and extended family and uh, really cool, man. Really cool. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. We're really lucky. Thanks for having me. So, and listen, stay well, stay healthy, stay safe. Give my best to your bride and the kids. I will do.